creatives and welcome to another episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy and I'm so honored today to have Talise Burton on. Talise is an author, she's a creative coach and she uh, contributed a whole chapter to my latest book for The Perfectionist. I'm so grateful to have Talise on here so that we can talk about perfectionism and all that that holds for all creatives. Thank you so much for being on here, Talise. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk today. Me too. And I thought I would just get started by asking a really simple question about what does perfectionism look like for you in your creative practice? Does it affect you? How does it involve itself in your life? Yeah. So perfectionism um, is probably one of the one of the biggest like creative blocks that I deal with personally. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout my life, perfectionism has played like a very heavy role in my creative practice. And it's something that I've been working for the past two to three years to, to, um, overcome and to, to deal with. Um, but perfectionism definitely, it shows up in a, in many different facets in many different ways. But one of the biggest ones for me is that, um, I'm, I'm constantly like editing as I go. I have to be very, very cautious of, of how I go about expressing myself with my art and creativity, because, I can easily fall into the trap of of nitpicking like the first few lines that I write of anything and yeah. just expecting it to be great straight away to the point to where I can't get past the first few lines because it has to be perfect from the beginning. Yes, I know that so well. And I think especially for anyone, any creatives who are doing long form um, novel writing or screenwriting, anyone with a long project ahead of them when we our perfectionism flares and we can't get past the first few lines you know it it sets us up for a very fucking long process oh yeah definitely definitely how do you deal with that and how how has that journey been with dealing with that aspect of your creativity oh yeah I I mean like I said I've been working on it for the past two to three years so I've gotten a lot better at allowing myself to make a mess with my creative process, allowing myself to just kind of let go and create judgment free. Um, Mm. uh, It's really what I've been doing is um, being compassionate to myself is the main thing, just being compassionate to myself instead of judging um, when it comes to what I'm creating. Because when I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm nitpicking the first few lines and I can't get past it, it's because I'm being so judgmental and I have such like high standards that I'm not allowing mm. myself to just get messy and express myself how I want to from the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. What sort of language do you use with yourself when you catch yourself doing that? Like what's your internal voice saying to you both when you're in that perfectionism trap and also how, what kind of language do you use to pull yourself out of it? Yeah. So a lot of the times what I find myself saying is that I'm not, uh, what I'm not, what I'm creating isn't good enough. Like that, oh, that's not quite how I want it to be. Like it's not right yet. Like there's mm. some sort of correct form of doing it, um, yeah. and I just haven't found it yet. So that's what I say to myself when I'm in that perfectionist mindset. And what really helps me to work through it is I I just kind of imagine like my my younger self, kind of like my my inner artist, and I imagine saying like those things to a younger version of myself who's just working on some sort of creative project for fun and I imagine telling herself like no you're not you're not doing it right it's not right yet you just gotta you gotta mm, you gotta edit this this isn't this isn't right yet it's not correct yeah and, and I allow myself to see it through those eyes so I can be more compassionate towards myself and then I can start supporting 
and encouraging myself, you know, being kind and gentle and saying, okay, I'm just playing with this work at the end of the day. That's what it is. And I need Mm -hmm. to allow myself to just create whatever the heck I want to create without feeling like there's a right way to do it. It's beautiful. It is funny how creatives go into a project with this very binary idea that there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And I think that's, you know, that's how perfectionist stories coming through. Um, but breaking down the binary and understanding that's so fluid and that there's no such thing as right or wrong is such an important part of, of moving past that perfectionism and, and really creating abundantly. Yes, yes, I completely agree. I feel like that's, that's why so many people, so many creatives don't allow themselves to be creative later in life, you know, it's because they feel as though there has to be a correct or right way to create. And if they're not doing it in that correct or right, right way, whatever that looks like for them, whatever story they've told themselves that looks like, um, Mm -hmm. then, then, then they're not a creative or they're not a good creative, you know, they're not talented, like you start telling yourselves those things. Um, yeah, it really, definitely. It really can mess up the process. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. How have you have you investigated that perfectionism in terms of where you inherited it from? Can you see how perfectionism has infiltrated its way in your life for a long time? Have you done any investigation into that? Oh yeah, yeah. For um, for the for the years that I've been working through my perfectionism, I've done a, a lot of journaling, of course, mm. and a lot of <laughs> investigating on on where that on where that comes from. And I I'm very aware that um, school and a lot of my upbringing kind of brought those things out for me. Um, uh, just yeah. just sitting in classes and and creating things, you know, like writing papers or or writing poetry for an English class or something, and getting graded on it. So it felt like there there was a correct way to do it, you know. Yeah. After you're graded on, it and you're like, oh yes, this is right. Or some teacher grades you wrong, like they grade you with like a like a C or a D, and and they just don't agree with what you created. But it's not necessarily that it's wrong, you know. You start to for me, I started to gain that mindset that there was a right and a wrong way to create. And it that's where it really started to stem from for me. I love that. I, I love that insight because I think you're you're totally right. Like, you know, I'm talking about how we're somehow instilled with this right or wrong. And, you know, our education system is literally a binary system uh, that grades us right or wrong. Um, and obviously, you know, the A to F uh, uh, rating system, grading system is not binary, but it essentially is, you know, and, um, I completely agree. Like looking at the education system, I talk about this a lot, but I was ranked in my school. So you were ranked one to last. Um, and that, those kind of stories just obviously just like feed you perfectionism stories and we have to undo everything that we've been given from those education systems let alone not even looking at all the stuff we've inherited from culture and family and you know our individual upbringing it's so huge exactly exactly i school definitely stemmed uh it created a lot of the perfectionist issues that i that i've been going through and i've had to deal with but family and and society is is just another facet um there's definitely so much that you can uncover when you really start to work through that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And speaking of, you know, cultural and systemic problems that, you know, attribute to our perfectionism, um, for those of you who don't know, who haven't read The Perfectionist yet, Talese wrote a whole chapter on perfectionism and how it affects Black creatives and POC artists differently. Um, and so let's dive into that, Talese. I'm so thankful for you for giving us your voice and for teaching us so much through the new book. Um, but how would you say that, like, culture and, you know, system- systemic issues affects Black creatives in a different way? And it give- and uh, contributes to perfectionism for Black creatives. Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you for giving me that opportunity because it was a joy and an honor to write. And um, I I just really enjoy talking about this topic because it's so um, unacknowledged within the creative Mm. community, I feel. But um, Mm. I would say um, the way that systematic and systemic racism interplays with perfectionism for for. BIPOC creatives is is so critical to look at because um, racism is embedded in our creative communities, our creative industry, our creative society. You know, it's it's um, it's a part of our society, and for BIPOC creatives and artists, we're often forced to face the the truths of like unequal access to creative education and opportunities and and equipment and like resources and supplies and we're forced to face the truths of of racial bias and prejudice um, influencing like mass appeal and sales and exposure with our art so mm. um, these these disadvantages are are very very real for us these these um, these issues are very real for us and it can make it very difficult for us to work through our perfectionism because perfectionism is built off of our our doubts and worries and fears and insecurities around our art and creativity. So mm. when you're working through perfectionism, you know, you're working to debunk um, the evidence that's shown you or that's made you believe that um, your doubts and worries and fears are true. But in the chapter, I really look at what happens when that evidence, you know, that you have for your doubts and worries and fears around your creativity and art is actually true because, yes, you know, that's, that's what it is. Like systemic and systematic racism are real and it's a real disadvantage. It's a real issue that's showing up and it can deeply affect how we go about creating our art. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's such an important point. Like, you know, perfectionism, for example, my perfection stories, you know, the stories that I have um, for and that I have really high standards for, unreachable standards for a lot about like, oh, I believe that I'm lazy unless I work, you know, from nine to five. I believe this. I believe that. And they're all stories that I tell myself that I have cultivated and they might feel very real to me, but they're still stories. They're still fabrications of of you know, my own belief system and they're not real. But what we're looking at here is something that's very real and has very real repercussions. And so how do you, this is not about constructing stories that you believe about yourself. This is about dealing with something that's very real and very out there. And like, how would you teach and how do you yourself deal with something that is so real? Like, how can we, this is not about deconstructing your own personal stories. This is about dealing something external. How can we make sure that our that perfectionist standards don't impact Black and POC creatives when it's something that's so external and so real? Yeah. So um, what I talk about a lot in the chapter is that I, of course, cannot actually 
um, do anything to change like systemic <laughs> yeah. and systematic racism. There's nothing I can do about that. But yeah. what I do in the chapter is I allow us to investigate um, how we can work through our perfectionism while still acknowledging and holding space for the fact that we have these these issues that we have to confront, these truths that are holding us down. Um, mm. It's it's holding space for that while acknowledging that like you can you can do things to help yourself with this process. So one of the big questions that I ask is how in a society that's already against you can you not be against yourself? And that's really what what we go into in the chapter is you can still work through um, the the responses you have to these things. You know you can still work through. Um, what you decide to do um, with this concept that systemic and systematic racism is infiltrating the way that you go about selling art, creating art. Um, so for example, I'll give an example with this. So one of the big things that shows up is hustle a, a lot of times. So you, mm. you know, when you're faced with a, an unequal access to opportunities, when you're faced with like racial bias, influencing mass appeal and sales and exposure, you you can overcorrect, you know, you can decide I'm going to hustle as hard as I can because you feel as though there's a lack of opportunity out there and you have to work harder, work faster, do more and do it perfectly in order to get maybe even less than what another person might get because they're not bi like a BIPOC creative, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm not saying that that is, that, I'm not saying that you have no, uh, let me do this again. I'm not saying that you don't have unequal access to to creative education. Yes. You know, yes. I'm not saying that that you aren't dealing with these struggles, but I'm saying that you don't need to pressure yourself and stress yourself and push yourself harder to be perfect. Um, along with it, like society's already hard on you. You don't need to be harder on yourself. I love the way that you articulate that. I love the way that, you know, that phrase that you said before, like when, you know, the world isn't working for you, why would you also work against yourself? Like it's just two forces. And hustle culture is is so much a part of that because hustle culture leads to burnout. It leads to, you know, being deeply unwell. And, you know, that's not a, a positive step forward. Exactly, exactly. That's one huge thing is that when you're hustling in that way, you know, you're, you're holding yourself to unsustainable habits, unsustainable practices that, that will no doubt lead to, lead to burnout. So it's really important to ask yourself how you can be kinder, more compassionate with yourself, more gentle with yourself, and allow yourself to express and create your art at your own pace, you know, not dictating your creativity and your creative practice um, based on other people's terms. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. That's so important. I absolutely love that, Talise. I think this idea that, you know, I mean, we hustle culture is, you know, global. We all feel like we have to hustle and white creators feel like, you know, there's the, there's the hustle culture there too. But for, for BIPOC, this idea that they're going to have to hustle more just to get in, you know, even a vague, even footing field is just so toxic and so dangerous. I follow um, on Instagram the NAP ministry, um, and that is an incredible resource uh, yeah. run by a black woman, by, run by the Knapp Bishop. I love that woman. And she speaks about the 
and it's she's speaking specifically to the black community um, about the radical power of rest and how it it almost does give you a level up. We haven't been taught that it gives us power, that rest could give us power. We haven't been taught that it could serve us or that it could um, give us opportunity. But that's how she frames it, that, that rest is radical and that it, you know, it's going to serve you more than the hustle will. Exactly, exactly. One thing that I do really emphasize in the chapter is that sometimes one of the most um, one of the most potent ways of, of combating this, of, of kind of like showing up for yourself and, and fighting against this is, is just by taking rest or allowing yourself to enjoy the creative process, like allowing yourself to take time in space, how you want to, you know, that can be, that can be a transformative way of going about dealing with this, this issue that we definitely have to deal with, this issue mm-hmm. that we have no choice of um, and that we're working through. The best way is to, to help yourself to, to take rest, to do what you want to do, to allow yourself self-care and time for play um, and just allowing yourself to create how you want to create. Yeah, and and not that we've been taught this, but that gets you ahead of the game in so many ways. Yes. That, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for that, Talise. It's just so important. I know another thing we wanted to touch on in this podcast is allyship and perfectionism and creating without prejudice. So for white creators, especially novelists or screenwriters or anyone telling stories, how how we can create without, I mean, we're always going to be influenced by that systemic issues, but how we can do our very best as allies to create without prejudice. Yes, this is a this is a big thing. I've I've been working with a lot of clients recently on this because of course it's come up more in conversation within this past year, which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, mm. But I yes, I love having this conversation because a lot of times you don't you don't want to perpetuate, you know, stereotypes or problematic prejudices within your art. You don't want to offend anyone. And no. and um it creates a level of perfectionism when you are trying to to nitpick your work to make sure that you're not perpetuating anything with yes, it. Yes. You know? And, and I've noticed that people can can get into research spirals, you know, over this stuff, you know, forever researching it and feeling like, oh, I'm never going to be able to get this right. It's never going to be mm-hmm. good enough. Um, And it's this perfectionism playing up again. And one thing that I really want everybody to know who's, who's trying to be more inclusive with their work, who's trying to be an ally within their creativity and their art, as well as in their life, is that you have to allow yourself to be wrong. And Mm. I know that that is so uncomfortable to hear. I really understand. Um, But you cannot be a perfect ally. You know, that's the thing is like, there is no way to be a perfect anything. And, and I'll share, I'll share an example myself, right? Like I am a part of the BIPOC community and I myself this year found problematic tropes within my own art, within my own novel that I'm working on. And, Mm -hmm. and I acknowledge that I addressed it within the novel. I changed it within the novel, but I also did the internal work of looking at how did this even get there in the first place? And that's what this really is. You know, you have to acknowledge that this can show up mm. and be able to accept 
that this is a vulnerable space to be in and you need to allow yourself to change if there are changes that need to happen. It's important to allow yourself to to make the mistakes because that's how we learn, that's how we grow, and that's how things change. Fuck yeah. I fucking, I love that, Talise. This is such an important message and I'm so grateful for your voice on this. I speak to a lot of creatives, uh, especially, uh, specifically white creatives who are telling stories, you know, and they, and they, again, they want to have, you know, create with, you know, a diverse cast. They want to create telling stories that matter that, you know, that, you know, are an array of different human experiences, but they, and it is, it's perfectionism enforced by, you know, a lot of our culture. They are so terrified of fucking it up. They know that they aren't the person to, to they, they know that they cannot possibly get it right. And so then they choose to write only the stories that they know. And that's, you know, classic perfectionism. Like it's too hard. I, I will get it wrong. Therefore I do not try. And that's such a dangerous route for us to go down um, because then nothing ever changes and it looks the same forever because we're just so afraid of, of being a bad ally when in reality, exactly as you say, we need to realize that we'll never ever be the perfect ally, but we need to try. Exactly, exactly. I mean, can you imagine going into that mindset in, in your daily life where let's say you come across a scenario where someone's saying something that's, that's mm-hmm. discriminatory, for example, and you're, and you're like, well, I don't know how to combat this correctly, so I'm not even going so to you try. Leave it. Right, exactly. It's like you, I understand that this is an uncomfortable situation. I understand that, that you don't want to do something wrong and you don't want to agitate anyone, but this is a vulnerable space and you have to acknowledge that the only way to create change, not only for yourself in your own life to become a better person, but also in the lives of other people, you know, you have to allow yourself to show up and to be wrong sometimes. It's okay. You know, that's, that's how the change happens. Yes, I, I totally agree with this. And I think, you know, the like very saturated cancel culture can create such a huge element of fear uh, that we're going to get, you know, tossed out, that our creativity will be completely ignored, that we'll be demonized for fucking it up. But I think what we have to realize is that to be a good ally, we have to come, you know, face that fear and and still do the work and still take the risks to tell stories without prejudice, to tell stories with diversity in them. Yes, yes, that is huge. And and I will say that um if this is something that that you're really worrying about, you know, something that you're you're really afraid of show like you're really afraid that this is going to show up in your art, um then I do recommend you doing your own research on your own personal prejudices and biases, you know, picking up um books on anti-racism and and being more inclusive and and really taking the time to work through your own personal biases so they show up less within your art. Um, that's a yes. great way to, to begin doing that. And don't go into a research spiral of it. Like pick one thing and start with one. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but totally. you know, if this is something you really worry about, then allow yourself to allow yourself to work, work on it, allow yourself to get into it, you know, like the best way to confront it is to, to dive in. A hundred percent. And I always say like, if you commit to your creativity seriously, it will show you all of your darkness and all of your light. If you commit to writing a novel, you will see all of your darkness and all your demons will come out to get you 
All Your Light is available there for you too. And there is so much magic in it. But if you want to commit to creativity, you will see all of your demons. And that is a fucking gift. And if you choose to ignore or if you choose to see the demon and be like, well, I don't know what to do with it, so I'm just going to leave it there, then then we've got an issue because you've been given a gift by creativity. You've been given a gift by the muses saying, hey, like you've, of course, you know, you're a white creative in this world and you've got systemic issues that you need to deal with that, you know, you've internalized and you've given been given the opportunity by your book, by your art, whatever you're creating, and it's your responsibility now to do the work. Yes. Oh gosh. I love that so much, so much. Thank you for saying that. That's so important <laughs> is to, yeah, to really allow yourself to face what, what is making you uncomfortable? What, what mm. is the issue that is showing up for you? Allow yourself to face that because not only will that allow you to create um, better art, art that, that's just beyond your own imagining, but also art that resonates with other people, you know, art that really showcases representation and, and inclusivity, art that can change other people's lives, you know? Which is what we're all here to do. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I also um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. And I know I've had experience with it of having uh, sensitivity readers come into and support our creation process. So uh, I wrote my last book I wrote was called Elizabeth and she is a sex worker uh, in the third act. And so I had a sex worker, I paid a sex worker um, to come and read my book to make sure that, you know, it was inclusive, that I hadn't made wrong mistakes that, you know, any um, issues that I had taken on culturally that were anti-sex work weren't being transferred into the book. And she had issues with it. Um, and she came back and said, I don't agree with how you've portrayed this. I don't agree with how you portrayed that. And, you know, that was a vulnerable experience for me, but it was, you know, a, you know, a business transaction. I paid her for her time and she was able to give me really great feedback. And I made a book that was, you know, more, um, inclusive and, you know, wasn't going to alienate a section of society. And I found that really useful. Yes, I highly, highly recommend that. If you, if you can, um, sharing that, sharing your art with, with people who are a part of that community can be really helpful for you in seeing some of the areas that you might have missed, for example, mm-hmm. or, or for just, just opening your eyes to how you can, how you can further stories even, you know, like it's okay to get opinions from, from trusted sources, you know, from people mm-hmm. that, that you trust and that you, you're open to feeling um, vulnerable with. You're open to allowing them to, to see your art and to give you feedback on your art. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Incredible. I'm so thankful for this chat to Like these are such big topics and I know that we could spend hours and hours and I feel like there's, you know, many podcasts within this and perhaps we'll do more in the future, but I'm so grateful for your voice. If you haven't got for the perfectionist to has a big fat juicy chapter right in the middle there. That's like packed with this learning uh, to help move through that perfectionism that's been affected by systemic racism. And it's just so important for both white and BIPOC creatives to read. I'm so thankful for your words to Yes, thank you so much for, for having me on and for, for allowing me to talk more about this this topic because it, it's just so important and it's something that's not talked about in the creative community enough. Yeah, I agree. And like this, as I said, it's just a taster. This podcast, like go follow Shalise on Instagram um, at Writers Ambles and I'll put the her Instagram in the show notes. Um, go start reading, start looking at this in your own work. Um, this is really important. And so thank you so much, Lise, for being here today. Um, And we will see you all next week.